hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Marsha Hershon. Thanks, Bill Haywatt. It is I, Mark Hershon, your humble host and curator for Epi 75 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. 75 episodes. That has got to be a milestone of sorts. Glad to have you with us and hope you enjoy this particular outing. Not a whole bunch of comedy podcast clips this time out because our special guest is podcaster and TV producer Adam Spiegelman, host of the Proudly Resents cult movie podcast and also Dream Tweet, a podcast game show. Adam is, or was, a producer on Totally Biased with W. Kamau Bell. I say was because I just read today that FXX is canceling it. Sorry to hear that. Uh, Kamal's a friend of mine, and uh, Adam is too. Bear in mind that when we talk about the show in our interview, because uh, a month and a half ago when we talked, everything was just fine. Uh, he and I hung out a bit at this year's Los Angeles Podcast Festival, and he sat down with me in the podcast lab where we talked about movies, TV, and of course, podcasting. Here's a clip from Adam's Proudly Resents podcast, where he and his guests, Catherine Heller and Mike Kaplan, took a look back at the movie Dead Heat, starring Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. I got to say, first yeah. of all, uh, this is your classic 80s flick. And I got to tell you, I didn't hate it. And by that, I mean it was formulaic in a good way. Like it had the typical like wacky cop and by the book cop and then the one liner guy. Uh, and the, uh, the, the boss who was real angry, angry black boss yeah. yes. uh, who like chewed them out and then the rest of the movie never checked in. We never, we never saw him again, but he just had one scene where he yelled at them. The one time they did something, like, immediately seemed right. right. Like, yeah. they, when they dispatched the, you know, he like, these guys aren't getting killed. Let's try to get them in some unconventional way. He's like, you can't do that, you know, and yelled at them for a while. Mm -hmm. But, like, now I feel like that's the kind of thing that's the, maybe he was, like, the first guy that established this trope or he was one of many. Oh, I felt it was shoehorned. Like, we need the yelling cop. Like, they went back to yeah. the edit, and they're like, oh, there's no yelling black sergeant in this scene. <laughs> because at the end of that scene, he yells at them, like you said, and then he goes, great job, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm still angry. Yeah. 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 But I have to yell because it's a trope. It was a good setup, though, because I knew there was more movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, something else is going to happen, right? Yep, yeah. they took care of the two problems right at the beginning, and <laughs> now, now we're done. all set. Now no done. more movie. Yeah. Right, so there's two bank robbers, but they, they established that as some kind of ongoing heist. Yes. And they, they get killed. Well, what happens is uh, these guys are robbing this bank, but then the, the cops are shooting at the guys, but the guys won't die. I don't know why we're explaining it. Everybody out there has seen this movie, right? right? Uh, As you know. For the boilers. Anyway, well, yeah, so that's the, that's the opening scene. Is and, that they're in a bank? And then they're in a bank, and then why won't these guys who are robbing the bank die? They've been shot at multiple times. They've been shot. Yeah, yeah like something not just is up. At, yeah, they've been hit mm -hmm. uh -huh. in places where they should die, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they don't die. Yeah. So we know something is awry. Yeah. But like they're not zombies. Like but like most zombie movies, if you decapitate them or set them on fire or blow them up, they'll die. Right? Yeah. But as long as you shoot them, they're okay. We also don't know yet that yeah. they're zombies. We just know yeah. they're indestructible humans. Right. Right. And he, he, uh, they're at a shootout. They're all there. The cops are on one side, and Treat Williams says to the nerdy, probably Jewish guy, <laughs> he's bold, hey, can I take your car? And he's like, oh, please don't. <laughs> and then Treat Williams drives in his car and shoots at them and hits him with the car and yeah. destroys the car. Mike, was he Jewish? You tell us. Uh, Mike, Adam Spiegelman also should know. <laughs> Heller, too, should know. Yeah. Yeah, I have known. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was Jewish. <laughs> no. We're all right. 
Uh, another trope, the nervous Jewish oh, guy in, uh, in the cop film. Uh, that's where Woody Allen got it from, Dead Heat, I think, right? Mm. Again, all things come from Dead Heat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't have that either. No. After he watched it, he goes, be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you would you go see a Woody Allen zombie film? Yes. Yeah, of yeah. course. Absolutely. I mean, I would not want to pay for it just because uh, I don't know the ethics behind uh, <laughs> giving Woody Allen money. Good point. But, oh, uh, I feel like I've seen all his crappy movies. Why wouldn't I see a zombie film? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see a bunch of zombies talking over each other nervously. <laughs> How did you die? Mm, I don't know. I'm rich. <laughs> Mind if I have some of your brains? <laughs> your <pots laughs> Welcome to a city of Armageddon. Uh, God, that's a that's, that's a great, great Woody Allen. And then uh, there'd be the hot, uh, misunderstood lady zombie who's much 12. younger than the lead guy. Exactly, <laughs> but like they, yeah. And she's in love with the oh, old absolutely. guy. Absolutely, of course I she is. I never get that. And also, she's his daughter. You can find Proudly Resents, strangely enough, at proudlyresents.com. Why more podcasters don't buy their URL, I have no idea. Also, iTunes and Stitcher, uh, Smart Radio. Or as they're calling themselves these days, I believe, Radio On Demand. Uh, but you can find host Adam Spiegelman right here, and we'll jump into that chat in just a little bit. Looks like Adam will be doing a live version of his podcast in January on the 11th and 12th of the NYC Podcast Festival. That's going to be at Fontana's on Eldridge Street in New York City. Oh, this show, we also have the latest Bursto Durst installment with political comedian Will Durst. This time he's ranting about President Obama's failure to deliver. This past weekend, I got to act in a sort of experimental web series that friend of Succotash Dana Carvey is producing and starring in called The Funster. Very low budget. Very low budget. Uh, in fact, uh, Mr. Carvey was uh, serving as craft service for the day I was shooting and uh, brought three pizzas to the set. Uh, which was also his office. Um, the first three episodes, I call them episodes, but you know, they're really more like moments because they're so short. They're like a minute and a half. They're up on YouTube, so you can uh, look for the funster with Dana Carvey there. I make my appearance in the fourth installment, which is still uh, being edited. In fact, I think we have to reshoot some this weekend. So uh, I will let you know when that's up online. And I will have that episode on SuccotashShow.com when it's ready. In fact, uh, maybe I'll put up a still shot from the production uh, so far of, uh, of me and my character, Jake. I've also been jumping up on stage occasionally on Friday nights as part of the Marsh Jam Improv Show in Berkeley at the, Ma at the Marsh Cabaret. Now, I don't get to do it every week because of other stuff going on. Uh, that's actually just an excuse. The, the traffic getting from where I am uh, in, in the Bay Area to where the show is in Berkeley is always just uh, hell. It took me two hours to get what normally would be a 20-minute drive. Um, but if you have easy access to Berkeley, it's a fun show, and you can find out more on the Marsh Jam Facebook page or by visiting marsh.org. As we try to do each and every week, we like to check in with Dean Haglin and Phil Lernis over at the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. Now, originally when I thought of having some fun with these guys, I thought it was going to be kind of a staged feud like they used to do on old time radio with like Jack Benny and Fred Allen. But we really just end up mentioning each other's shows and occasionally, like they used to do in the early days of TV, we'll have a crossover episode. Anyway, here's this week's mention of them mentioning us. Every week, a, f a few seconds of the show are heard on Mark Hirsch on Succotash. <laughs> right? That's how we get it around. We just a few <laughs> seconds here and there, and everybody That's, will understand. You get kind of the taste. You, you get know, the sense of what the show what was. talking about. Uh, I can name that show in three words. <laughs> 
By the way, this is the second week in a row that I have not heard over on the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour a mention of the show's sponsor, Empire Gas. They've not said anything. I guess shows usually don't when a sponsor goes away. But given the fact that Empire Gas was paying about as much for their ads as Henderson's Pants pays us, I'm a little saddened that it seems to have just slipped away, as gas often does. And now there's this. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast. Yes, it's our top 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 comedy podcast list heard exclusively on Suckatash because who the hell would do it? Most people do a straight ahead top 10 countdown. Well, not us. No, sir. We are more interested in the podcasts that have moved up or down the most on that Stitcher Top 100 comedy list. And starting at number 37, there's the Artie Lang Show, up 25 places. At 63, This Week in Blackness Radio is up 12 spots. At 66, Dining with Doug and Karen, back in the hunt, up 36 places. At 72, This Week with Larry Miller, up 9 places. At 75, Jim Florentine's Metal Comedy Midgets is up 10. At 79, The Dana Gould Hour has slipped 21 places. At 85, What Say You is down 20 places. At 87, Smodcast Feeb, F-E-A-B, they've slipped down 31 spots this week. At 88, The David Feldman Show is down 15 places. And at 96, The Cracked Podcast has gotten back up in the top 100 by climbing 49 places on the list. And Suckatash, yes, this show is up 192 places this week, coming in at 58.65. Oh, man, it sounds so sad when I actually get to the number. But we're coming back strong, and who knows, one of these days, even we might be in the... the 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast list. We'll take our cue from the top 10 most active list this week and kick off the clippage with a chunk from the Artie Lang Show, which was up 25 spots to hit number 37 on the list this week. Now, most people know Artie from his years sidekicking for Howard Stern. He was also on Mad TV, of course, and has appeared in a few movies like Dirty Work and Beer League. His new memoir, Crash and Burn, is out and has been on the New York Times bestseller list. His podcast is really the audio version of his Dish Network TV show and also also features his sidekick, former NFL player John Ritchie. In this clip, Artie reminisces about some quality party days. I was thinking about like, you know, how showbiz can give you like a rock and roll type thing. The the craziest week I ever had that was the most fun. And I look back and I said, wow, if life was like that every week, you could see why rock stars get to be arrogant a-holes. The first time we went to Vegas with the Stern Show in February of 02, we took over to Hard Rock Cafe. We had a whole crowd. There were like 2,000 people on the floor with the casinos. And at the time, I was shooting the movie Old School. I did eight days of work on Old School. And um, our last day of shooting in, in Vegas happened to be the night before we were going to shoot Old School. And uh, on the air, I was bitching that I had to get up the next morning <laughs> to go early to L.A. from Vegas because I wanted to stay up all night and just party. I wanted to go to the strip club. Mm-hmm. And Ivan Reitman, the producer, called in uh, live on the show and said, well, we'll just get you a private jet. Just stay as late as you want. We'll switch around. <laughs> and Todd Phillips, the director, who was a friend, uh, was nice enough to switch it around. I party all night in Vegas. I crash for a little while. I go to the Vegas airport, get on a private jet to L.A. Limo from the jet to the set of old school. I shoot a 10-hour day with Will Ferrell and Luke Wilson in old school. 
get right in, back in the limo, go right back to the private jet. They fly me back to Vegas. And, <laughs> and I go back Jeez. on the air the next day and then fly home. I fly him on another private jet with Howard. Like, that was like, wow. I look back on that itinerary and I said, man, that is cool. That's living. Yeah. That's crapping in tall cotton, as we say in the South Jersey. Mm. Uh, but, you know, so I don't know. The, the book's working. I guess it's on the bestsellers list, but this is this is nuttiness. You know, I was much thinner back then. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I was much thinner. I was in way better shape. Well, it was a good interview on Piers. Yeah, it was good, right? Did it work? Yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, it was awesome. Showed, they showed that crazy Conan clip. Yeah, the one that you I said you were blacked out. But I can't believe I told... I mean, that kind of came true. My whole bit, and I was doing it as a comedy bit, was don't do The Tonight Show, because in the TV guide it said if he didn't do it, he would get 40 million bucks anyway. And my whole bit trying to be funny was don't do it, man. Just get yeah. the 40 million. What are you doing? And essentially, he kind of should have listened to me. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I love Conan, but, uh, you know. And, and by the way, Conan's show I did, it's funnier than it's ever been. You know, when you do TBS, you don't have to worry about the NBC suits. You can get edgy. And he's really funny. Like, he's doing edgy, funny stuff that he used to do in the early days of the first show. But watching that clip I, with the sunglasses, yeah, I was in a full blackout. Wow. And, you know, it's one thing to wake up at the Hawthorne Suites in uh, Idaho and realize you spoke publicly at the local club and uh -huh. you don't remember it. But when you're on national television, like, right. did I call people to arms on something? Yeah. Did I announce a... Very... I was a civil rights activist. <laughs> really unsettling. It is, right? I can't even, yeah. I've been there, you know. Well, how were, how, would you ever degree. get knocked out on the field to where you lost a, a long period of time where you were no. nervous about what you said? or No, but that would happen from booze? drinking. Well, yeah. Booze. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to give you a way out. Consistently. No. With the art, it was from working. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't from working. It would be after working. Like post-game, there were times when it would just, yeah, blackout. I don't know how you didn't do it. Consistently. I don't know how you, everybody in the NFL doesn't drink on a, on a large basis, knowing what you guys go through, seeing those. Get more straight from the source at theartylangshow.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and weeknights on Dish Network. You do know that Suckatash isn't just about me finding clips to play, right? We have an open invitation for any comedy podcaster who wants to send along a three to five minute clip of their show to clips at SuckatashShow.com. Or if you're a listener who likes a particular podcast, you can toll call Suckatash at our hotline 818-921-7212 and leave us a voicemail telling us about that favorite podcast and we will go slice off a hunk. Of course, you can also go the extra mile like our loyal listener and honorary associate producer Tyson Saner and clip shows you like and send them in with notes about the shows. I mentioned all of that as a preamble to this next clip, which was sent in by a podcaster. Here's the email that accompanied the clip. Hi, guys. Hope you're doing okay and the podcast world is treating you well. I don't think I've emailed you before with material for your show, but I wondered if you'd be interested in playing a clip from our current podcast, which we released last month. Our podcast is called Cornucopia Radio, and it's created by a selection of writers and performers here in the U.K., Every episode is a unique piece of radio fiction. Sometimes they are dramatic pieces, sometimes they are comedic, but they are always of high professional quality. This particular episode of our podcast is a spoof of BBC Radio NPR, featuring three mini-documentaries about various cultural subjects. The clip I'm sending you comes from one of those spoof documentaries about Druid life in the UK, and about one Druid in particular, Brian Parker. The blurb for this section reads, Brian Parker is a druid. He is 39 years old and lives in Tinsley, South Yorkshire. 
As well as fulfilling his duties as High Seer of the Light for the Tinsley Circle of Druids and Wood Dwellers, he also works at a local call center dealing with customer complaints for a well-known ISP. We visited Brian last February as he went about his daily activities, both pagan and modern, and made preparations for a trip he would only describe as his holiday. This clip was written by Lawrence Peacock and features the voices of Chris Bellamy, Lawrence Peacock, Christine Bellamy, and Phil Mason. Thanks, Peter Beeston. Thanks, Peter. Uh, here's the clip. Fair warning, the accents get pretty thick, so you may need to hit rewind a couple of times to catch it all. Brian kindly agreed to me, accompanying him to one of the Circle's meetings. Once a month, the group come together to worship the World Spirit and perform ancient magic rites at a sacred grove located just off Junction 35 of the M1, not far past the Little Chef. With Charlie's replacement in tow, and after clearing up a misunderstanding with some local doggers, we proceeded to the grove. Listen, pal, now that we're here, you should call me by my druidic name. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, what is it? Brian Parker. Isn't that just your name, Brian? It is. But druids, they're a very formal bunch. Just follow my lead, you'll be fine. Okay, yeah, um, but is it absolutely necessary for me to remove my trousers? I mean, you haven't. We have our ways, and you have yours. But you're at a druid meeting now, so loose the cords. <laughs> there, there, Margaret. Not to worry about. Yet. Hail, Magic Bob! Brian Parker, Seer of the Light, greets thee. Hail, Brian Parker. Magic Bob, follower of the Woodland Ways and sometime Greyhound trainer, salutes thee beneath our Lady the Moon. You are right, Brian. How's life? Oh, no complaints. That, that you ain't heard before. <laughs> and who's this lovely lady? This is Margaret. Say hello to Magic Bob, Margaret. Uh, she's, she's a bit shy. Yeah, well, so would you be, pal, if you're about to have your ears blown off. Besides, I don't speak goat. Wilfred used to. It were handy, you know, to have a translator. Calmed them down before told... <coughs> We're Sally. She's bringing sandwiches, right? I hope so. I've been so busy all day working up Philosopher's Stone that I haven't had time to eat now. Do you mean the Philosopher's Stone of myth, Bob? It ain't no myth, that lad. It's one of the best-selling children's books of all time. There's bare dollar in that, I tell thee. And that J.K. Rowling, she can spin a yarn or two at no mistake. Bob's been learning to read her legs, haven't you, Bob? True. Ain't ashamed to say it. Oh, yes, Sally. And she's brought Wilfred. Sure up, Wilfred. Hi, Sally. You're right. I will be once Wilfred here calms down. Honestly, it's like dogs possessed. Hey, Brian, I've got them things you wanted. For your holiday. Thanks, Sally. Appreciate it. Who's this then? And where's his trousers? I'm, I'm making a programme about Brian for Radio 4. He said I shouldn't wear them. Oh, 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 did he now? And did he also tell you he had to go through wedding ceremony without their goat so she'd be ready? Uh, yeah? Uh, how did you know? <laughs> Just a little joke, pal. Should have seen your face. Actually, I've got photos on my phone, I'm ta. I can show you. Luke, you're a very lucky man. <laughs> well, you weren't first and you weren't bit last. No. I weren't talking to you, Petal. I was talking to your wife. You speak goat, Sally. <laughs> got you again. For a reporter, 
You're not all that sharp, pal. Oh, look, here's another keeper. You're right, Bob. How's Philosopher's Stone? Page 33. Wow, coming along then. Aye, two pages today. Well, can't stand around chatting all evening. Let's get started. Come on, Margaret. Brian explained how all Druid meetings began with the invocation, a ceremonial opening to welcome in the world spirit. It's an ancient poem of great magical power. No one knows where it comes from. No one even really knows what it means. This was the first time a Druid invocation had ever been recorded. It was brillig and the slithy toad Did gyre and gimble in the wave All mimsy with the borrow groves And the moan rats outgrave Beware, Jabberwock, me son Jaws that bite, snicker-snack Through and through, and you rather How's your father? Although what followed that evening on the South Yorkshire Moors was recorded as part of this programme, legal advice has made it quite clear that it should not be broadcast. For personal reasons too, I have chosen to omit it from the programme. All I will say is this. Sarah, darling, I'm sorry. I sincerely regret my actions of that night and admit they were depraved and degrading. If you confide it in your heart to forgive me, I will do all I can to earn your love once more. Please kiss the children for me. And yes, I have bleached my sordid mouth. I can taste nothing but my own betrayal. That's from Epi 43 of Cornucopia Radio, which you can catch on Stitcher, iTunes, or at their home site, cornucopia-radio.co.uk. The podcast universe has gotten so vast that even, even I am having trouble keeping up with it all, which is why I had not even heard of Welcome to Night Vale before I got to the podcast festival in L.A. last month. The show's a huge sensation. Everybody loves it, and it's not on my radar. Well, it wasn't. It is now, and it's now on yours if you're new to it. It's a narrative, and in fact, narrated by Cecil Baldwin, uh, who takes a kind of slightly creepy approach. The show is created and written by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner. They've got commercials for really weird things, original music, and the best way I can describe this show in a thumbnail is to say it's Prairie Home Companion as conceived by H.P. Lovecraft. Ladies and gentlemen, a very exciting moment has arrived at Nightvale Elementary. Students, faculty, anti-faculty, and animal-masked proctors are gathered in the shielded gym to witness the activation of the school's new computer. This is the first computer purchased by the Nightvale school system since the event in 1986 after which all computing machines were forbidden. For obvious reasons, all parents and students present at the earlier meeting, except the Wallabies, have been allowed to leave. Beige boxes of electronics are lined in stacks several feet high. Atop them is a dark monitor waiting to be switched on. Um, there is a teacher... It appears to be Susan Escobar, the second-grade scrying teacher, bringing in a detached human hand atop a pillow. Five pudgy fingers extend from the stump of a wrist within a metal-banded wristwatch. The palm is pink and healthy, and the back of the hand is covered in thick 
dark hairs. The hand wears a silver pinky ring inscribed with Cyrillic. This must be Megan Wallaby. The crowd is breathless, ladies and gentlemen. It is silent and tense here in the gym. The pillow has been placed beside the crude keyboard. Megan is scurrying, spider-like, across the keys and switching the computer on. An amber glow lights the faces of the onlookers. Megan is typing. She's typing out, Are you there? The cursor is flashing. We are waiting for a response now. Yes, the computer has said. Yes, it is uh, typing something else. W-H-Y question mark. Why have you made me? Why have you switched me on? I cannot breathe. I cannot feel. I cannot love. Megan is scurrying over the keys again, and she has typed out a response. I love you, computer. The computer is replying, What do you want, Megan? Megan is typing her reply, I want everyone to be happy. I want everything to be better. Oh, well, isn't that cute? Of course, it can never happen. Such are the foolish dreams of idealistic children who believe that anything can possibly get better over time. Listeners, I have just overheard some of these school officials saying that the new computer has already, almost instantly, assumed control of most of the electrical functions of the school, um, operating them randomly, and even trapping several parents and students in darkened classrooms. But the school officials did not seem worried, as these behaviors are not technically evil behaviors. So the computer's probably okay. More on this as it develops, but first... A look at the community calendar. That is good stuff. There, there's lots more hiding in the dark over at commonplacebooks.com slash welcome-to-night-veil. <laughs> or just go to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and type in Welcome to Night Veil and you'll find it, I'm sure. Uh, I like that show so much, I am now a subscriber. And uh, I'm reviewing it this week on splitsider.com in the uh, This Week in Comedy podcast column. So uh, look for that to drop uh, the same, uh, well, actually, it's the same day the show is dropping for once. So look for that over there. As Adam Spiegelman from a podcast called Proudly Resents, and we've been featured on this show, Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with a name impossible to spell. But fun to listen to. We have not played a clip from the Wrong Foot podcast for a while, but they're a funny audio sketch cast, and it's high time we got another taste. We got a note from executive producer Robin Brecker this week, along with a clip. Robin says, I know you guys are busy with Thanksgiving coming up and lima beans to shuck, but here's a clip from the Wrong Foot collection that is short enough. Thanks. And remember, defrosting is for suckers. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I, I agree. Without further ado, here's a commercial for Giant Check Bank. Did you just win a golf tournament? Well, nice going. 
Did the local fast food restaurant make a donation to your charity? On behalf of Crazy Joe's Pot Pies, I'd like to present this check for 15... That's great. Did someone just ring your doorbell and tell you you've won a publisher's contest? This is Roberta Covington. Yes. I'm Steve Stevens, and you've just won. Congratulations. And now are you holding an oversized uh, check? Yeah. Yeah, it looks great in the photo, but now what do you do with it? Cash it? Sorry, we can process a check that... Be deposit it in an ATM? Your attempt to make a deposit has failed. Please try again at another ATM. Endorse it over to someone else. Now what am I supposed to do with this big check? Don't try folding it and putting it into your wallet. Honey, do you have something stuck up your ass? So what do you do with it? You can frame it. Very nice. You dude. could use it as a surfboard. You could serve a giant sandwich on it. Oh, what did the extra, 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 extra long tuna? But unless you get someone to take it out of your hands, you may be out of luck. But wait. <laughs> Now there's a bank that can help. We're GCB, the giant check bank. And we can handle checks of any size. Our tellers are specially trained to serve you. Sure, I'll cash that oversized check for you. How would you like that, sir? 20's okay? And our ATMs? They're designed to make your deposits even easier. No need for an oversized envelope. Just slide your oversized check into the oversized slot. It's that simple. <laughs> And we'll be able to process it before you know it. These so don't get stuck with a check that looks great but can't be cashed or deposited. That check is big. In fact, it's too damn big. Turn your giant checks into big dollars. Let the giant check bank handle it. We're GCB. We love big checks. A surcharge of 28% is applicable. Not associated with FDIC or the U.S. banking system. Giant Check Bank is a subsidiary of the Guadalupe Origami Island Nation Fiduciary Trust Fund. All transactions are final. That's the Wrong Foot Podcast, and their home site is wrongfoot.net. Of course, they're also available from iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, we have our interview coming up pretty shortly now with Adam Spiegelman, but first, uh, a word from our sponsor... Friends, at Henderson's Pants, we've noticed that adults, teens, and children are not the only ones wearing the pants in the family these days. Believe it or not, even little babies are fond of wearing a well-tailored pant now and again. But up until now, they were limited in their selection of lower body garments in that most of what is available are simply just baby pants. Baggy, shapeless, and with little to show off that fast-developing physique. Henderson's is proud to introduce Henderson's Toddler Trousers. These slick slacks are the kind of infant wear that can make even the most preoccupied paste eaters sit up and take notice. The extra layers of material in the knee and buttock help to assure hours of comfortable crawling and soft landings for when baby goes boom. And the bit of extra given the crotch keeps your tyke from that most unsightly of sandbox no-nos, the dreaded diaper toe. Isn't it about time for Junior to crawl out in comfort and style? Henderson's toddler trousers come in a variety of luxurious fabrics, the kind found in the finest men's suits on the market today. But Henderson's serge, corduroy, and linen stock has been married with state-of-the-art polyfiber blends, which not only assure years of durable wear, but enough stretchability that today's baby will still be wearing those spiffy duds when it comes time to accept his or her diploma as your now-adult offspring graduates from high school. 
Originally designed for use by Hollywood's little people, jockeys, and chimpanzee astronauts, Henderson's toddler trousers are now available wherever clothes for tiny little humans are sold. That's Henderson's makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1896. And now, back to Succotash. Before we get to my chat with Mr. Spiegelman, it is Tweet Sack time. Thanks, Tweety. First thing is that we get uh, we get two clips this week in the Tweet Sack, which I've already played from Cornucopia Radio and the Wrong Foot Podcast, so check those folks out. Next up is an email I just got as I was putting the show together from Gabriel Diani. Gabe and his better half, Edda Devine, as you may remember, were our special guests just a couple of shows ago in Epi 73, talking about their new movie, Diani and Devine Meet the Apocalypse. They are at the tail end of their Kickstarter campaign to raise $100,000 to make that movie. It's going slower than they uh, expected. They are old hands at Kickstarter, so uh, they anticipated a, a faster uh, growth rate. They're almost out of time, and they're only about halfway there. They're chalking it up to changes in policy on Facebook and Twitter in terms of what's getting sent around for free and what you now have to pay for to get distributed on those sites. Gabe suggested I look into the topic for a Huffington Post piece, and you know what? I just might do that. In the meantime, click over to kickstarter.com and help save the world by contributing to Diani and Divine Meet the Apocalypse. There's only seven days left. Uh, There's also a... uh, clickable link on the blog for this show. So check it out at SuccotashShow.com. We are going four for four with reading tweets from Harry from NY, who says this week, my tweet got read on Suckatash Show podcast. That's three episodes in a row. If this keeps up, I'm going to ask for some of the show's profits. <laughs> Uh-oh. That was immediately followed by another tweet from Harry that said, If I did ask for Succotash Show profits, I'd owe them $34.76. The show is free. Why not go to their homepage and hit the donate button? Lovely. Brilliant. Thanks, Harry. And it saves me the trouble of pimping the donate button this episode. And now, here are some of the very nice people in the past week to mention us on Twitter, which could mean that they either gave us a shout-out, they retweeted or favorited something we said, or they started following us. And this time, I'm going to use their names instead of their Twitter handles just to see how that sounds. Constance Avery, Dave Nelson, Tyson Saner, Dana Carvey, Davian Dent, Megan M., Broadcast Basement, The Comedy Buffet, Spooky Pig... Spooky Pug Bryant, AJ Mixa, The Same Coin, Mike and Carl, Corey Epps, Jeremy Wilson, Christine Blackburn, Larry Nemesek, Podcast Squared, Hot Air Radio, Talking Rubbish, Michael Elliott, Jordan Brady, Wade Copson, A Little Punch Drunk, CSI Troutbeck, The Selling, Malarkey from New Jersey, or that's Malarkey from Jersey, actually. And uh, they're also, uh, he's also the host of, uh, or one of the hosts of CWE Radio that uh, rebroadcasts our show uh, every time we come out. So thanks, guys. We appreciate that. Indie comic writer, Patrick O. Smapty, The Nerdpocalypse, uh, Johnny Weiner. <laughs> Sorry about your name. Jacqueline Fleming, Dorktown Podcast, Pop Wrapped. John Anilio, Graham Elwood, Dr. Michelle Borba, Bennett 1016, Punch Cards, Sushi Sue, and Matt Ward. Hi, this is Rick Overton of the Overview Podcast on iTunes, and you're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Day three, uh, second annual 
LA Podfest. Adam Spiegelman here in the podcast lab. Very exciting. Very exciting. This uh, free space they've given us to work in. Yes. Yes. It's a a conference room with uh, curtains up. Since we're basically nobody, apparently, in the hierarchy of podcasting. (laughs) We're almost in the parking lot. We should be in your car recording. uh, It it would actually be better quality. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it would be better quality, better acoustics. But I feel like if we were recording in your car, there'd be someone behind us talking. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and honking. Yeah, honking. Right. Um, so what's your what's your take on the uh, this year's fest so far compared to last year? It was fun. I think there's more to, to do. I don't feel a lot of it's the same. There's not much difference, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems people are excited. It's fun. it's fun to see people get all excited to see. You know what I, I love seeing, and it's not with me because nobody cares, but seeing people who, like I was talking to this guy Ray, who's on the Adam Carolla show all the time. Yeah, yeah. And he's a friend of mine from a while back. But some, a blind guy walked to him and says, I recognize that voice. Oh, that's funny. And Ray was so excited, and they talked for a half hour. And I just, you just keep seeing people do that. With people that they don't, they don't recognize their face. They hear, they hear the voice. That's yeah. great. Last year was an elevator, and a guy recognized. Oh, that's very cool. That was nice. That's very cool. But, uh, yeah, but that was, that's kind of neat. Most people that see me, you know, I've got all this this collateral that has the name of the show on it. So most of the reactions I get is, oh, that's how you spell Succotash. i got to be honest with you. It's so weird that your job is branding things. I can't spell Succotash. Like, I'll try to promote your show, and then I have to Google it. And it takes an extra minute. Yeah. You'd think I'd do a better job. Oh, well. Why did you pick suck? I, I get, but did you ever think about the spelling of it? Um, you do this for a living? Yeah, but I don't. I wasn't worried about it. I just, uh-huh. uh, you know, most most of um, the internet is all clicking links anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, and I figure... Um, You're fired, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I didn't want people to find my podcast, damn it. Oh, you did a great job. <laughs> because no one could find it. But this seems like the perfect podcast for this place. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of surprised that uh, the promoters haven't sort of glommed onto it because I think it would be a great way to talk about a lot of the I little think podcasts tried, here. But they couldn't figure out how to find you. Touche. Touche. But you're, uh, you've are you been podcasting now for how long? Three years. Do uh, Proudly Resents. Yes. And for a while did Dream Tweet, which is a game show podcast. Yeah, what happened with Dream Tweet? Kind of pod faded. Uh, oh, okay. I did it with, the reason I did Proudly Resents was because I can do it myself. Like, I was the host. I didn't want to have co-hosts only because I love myself. No, only because I didn't want to have to, like, when are you available? Like, it's hard enough to get guests, like, to try to get other people available and argue what what you want to do, what you don't want to do. So I just wanted to do it on my own. And then uh, my friend John Corbery came to me with this game show idea, Dream Tweet, which is a hilarious show. And so I can say that because it's all him. But then he kind of got lazy on it. Oh, and yeah. I'm still paying for the lips and service. Oh, really? Keep it up. So if you, he wants to do it again, we'll do it again. But that's yeah, that's the difference, I guess, between doing it yourself. Yeah, doing you know, there's, a, there's, there's been so many podcasts just in the last two or three years that have gone down because the host just couldn't kind of keep it together when they had more than one host. Um, yeah, you hear, like, guys say, like, oh, we're back after a long break. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, there's yeah. Some, guy, some guy, I played a clip from his podcast, and I can't remember now what it was. This was a few episodes ago that he... Uh, he ended up getting a DUI and going to jail, and his podcast went down for like three and a half years. Holy shit! And he came back, and it was he had been doing like a comedy podcast. And he he did his first episode back. He goes, I don't know what I don't really find anything funny anymore. 
I've been in jail for three and a half years. And Holy just, shit. Yeah, it was this really gloomy, dark thing. That's a good excuse for pod painting. Yes, yeah, I plan to use that myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if ever I go up, I'm coming back. I'm like, yeah, I was in jail. I was in jail. Uh, yeah, I saw some shit. <laughs> shit went down. <laughs> you don't want to know. You people don't want to know. Welcome back to Shivcast. <laughs> I love it. He went back to his podcast, even though it yep. meant nothing. And he was living in his parents' basement, because before he had his own place, he lost everything. And oh, I was living so his he goes, I don't really know if I'm going to do another episode, but I'm doing this one. Maybe I'll be back. It was called Suicide. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my way out. So what, now, now you're uh, primarily, when you're not podcasting, you're a writer, right? A producer. A producer, producer sorry. Um, it's, kind of, it's writing also, but it's sure. produce uh, talk shows. So right now I'm working on Totally Bias with Come on Bell. I love Come on. Tell him I said hi. I will. He's supposed Every, to be on this show. He's a jerk. Uh, he's, I'll tell you the truth. He's busy. I know he is. Yeah, I know he's he ridiculous. Is. But he. Um, but if you want to see something, I'll show you. In fact, I may have it here. I'll show you after we're done talking. I did a a video, a pilot video for a web series about, I'm going to say six years ago now, uh-huh. that uh, Kamal was one of my uh, three leads in it. Oh wow! Uh, called Spam Busters. Uh huh. <laughs> they would go around. It was three wannabe, basically superheroes, but they were just office workers uh-huh. and they were going to bust up people that created scams on the internet oh that's great yeah so he was one of my three guys that i had down there uh-huh. he's very busy right now i'm sure he is i'm sure they'll pick it up though fxx any programming absolutely, you know, <laughs> absolutely. our show we mad about you we run. so so tell me about fxx because uh, that was kind of sprung on us and i haven't been able to find it on my cable system it's deep it's deep down there so what all right i'll tell you the idea and where yeah. it's going to go so uh the idea was that FX, and this is not speaking of schools, this is, um, FX had a certain amount of programming, and I think they want to do more programming so they can have more on-demand programming because of the way Netflix is working. They want to have their own shows, so to get more space, they made FX, the drama network, FXX, the comedy mm. network, and they brought over The League and other and uh, a lot of their comedy shows. I think Louis still on FX. For, I think there must be a contract reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah. So, so we're on. We were on FX, and then now we're on FXX. So it's a comedy network, basically. And then they get a more programming, so they can make more dramas for FX. And, and now you're stripped out, right? It's like five days a week. It's four days a week. Four days. Oh no, it is five. There's a re, there's a uh, best of show on Sunday. Okay. Which is just as much work, by the way. Like, oh, it'd be so easy. We can get another show out of it. Have, so. Um, That's crazy. So they took over the the soccer channel, Fox Soccer Channel. Oh, okay. And then they and they made that FXX, and then they said soon they're going to put FX and FXX together next to each other. I don't know how. Oh. Because they have enough clout that they can make okay. it. Being Fox, they can make that happen. Yeah. And that's where Fox Sports 1 was their new spot. It was their speed channel that nobody watched. Right, right. But uh, I'll leave so I got married in July. Oh, congratulations. Too late. Sorry, sorry, Mark. And uh, <laughs> I could have married you guys. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, great. yeah. I'm a I'm a, a, a registered officiant. Nice. Oh, As opposed to uh, registered. Uh, <laughs> Inefficient. Yeah. <laughs> so my wife's Catholic, and uh, we, have, we had to go to the priest to get, you know, if you marry out of your faith, you have to yes. sign something saying you're not going to interfere with your faith. And he asked me what I did for a living. We were nervous, like we were in like, a job interview for some reason. And um, he said, what do you do? And I said, I work on the show and found FXX. You never heard of the network. And he's Irish, and he's like, oh, that was my, that was my soccer network. Oh, no. Yeah, they got rid of it for your show. I was like, oh, great. It's a great way to start out. This marriage is annulled. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going to say. I can't watch soccer anymore. Son of a bitch. 
Um, yeah, so that was, that's the only disadvantage I found for being on FXX, besides people like you wanting to watch it and not knowing how to play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, so uh, where were we? Got off on several tangents here. Um, let's go back to um, the fact you're producing uh, Kamau's show, show. And so now it must be even harder to find time to do your podcast. I mean, you're doing, sounds like you're working a lot. Working a lot is really hard. Uh, Oddly enough, I'm li I live in L.A. normally. The show's in New York, so I'm staying at oh Keith God. and the Girls. You know Keith and the Girls, the yeah. podcast? They do it out of a one-bedroom apartment, and their studio is the living room, dining room area. <laughs> and there's a bedroom where they have storage for T-shirts. So I'm literally renting out that room. The T-shirt storage room. Yeah, there's a bed on, like a, a nice futon, not just a futon, but a nice one. Nice one. Yeah. And uh, I sleep there. Wow. So I rent out, on Sundays I do, I, I did a bunch of episodes. But like you said, I thought I could do more every, every weekend, but you just get too busy. Yeah, yeah. So I did three episodes or four episodes there. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it is really busy. I have a microphone in my office so because I have a moment with so many great comedians that yeah. I can just grab them and do a show. But, have you done that? Not yet, no. Because everyone's <laughs> yeah. so tired. You know, at the end of the day, nobody wants to be in the office any longer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's but crazy. It, it's hard to do. So I did every, I've been doing every other week, but hopefully I can speak off, I can catch up and do every week. It's really interesting to see, um, you know, I'm used to comedians doing comedy podcasts and people who think they're funny who have no comedy or show business chops at all doing comedy podcasts but see people like you and like Caleb Bacon who's you know working on a show and it's this sort of like interesting side element of people that are in the entertainment business but have this you know this comedy bent and how do they get that out there right yeah well I feel like all right so I do professional TV that people want in a way that people want to see for a living right and that's what I have to do and I have to ask questions I, I interview the guests so I have to get questions to come out that they want to see and people want to hear and jokes of my show I feel like I don't I don't I mean I care and I want people to like it but I feel like if I just make it as personal as I want it, right? Because I'm doing my day job is making it as general as I have to. Yeah. So yeah. So the opposite is, mm. you know, they say you have to do sections in podcasts and you have to have, you know, moments, you know, tweet sack, and then so people can relate to it. I, I, I don't because I don't give a shit because I, I do that all day. Right. Right. And if I can just talk to someone interesting for an hour, or half hour, or fifteen minutes, that's great. Yeah. I just you know my my show sort of became formatted just over the course of time and I just I guess because I've done radio before and been in TV and stuff your mind just starts compartmentalizing like that uh, I'd rather just do sort of freeform because you know I have 30 years of improv experience that's what I want to do is just stream of consciousness um, but you get these things you go well I guess I got to put the tweet sack thing in there where am I going to put that so I kind of well, I'll put it here yeah and that's there every time and the people want it there every time yeah they, they get go, used to weird. it I get used to, yeah it's weird if I don't hear a sound effect or something like you say tweet sack I don't hear tweeting yeah <laughs> what's going on but yeah. I, I'm a little bit full of shit because I do all this professional TV stuff that on my podcast I'm trying to make it sound like it's amateur and crazy I'll edit the fuck out of it I'll, just, <laughs> I'll, I'll say oh that's boring I'll take out boring parts and yeah. you know or if there's too much if a guy says you know I'll cut out eight of the you knows you know uh, I do a lot of ums when I'm trying to do stream of consciousness for some reason I mean I picked it up somewhere I don't know where because I did radio for years I never was a never problem and no. now I'm doing it all the time so I end up I'll cut those stuff out and the interesting thing of, of listening to a, a podcast that's produced by someone who doesn't have 
any of this sort of professional perspective on something is they go, oh, I can do that. They'll hear somebody's podcast. That's got to be easy. Uh And you hear all the mistakes that you would normally just, well, just cut those out. Uh But they're not aware that the show they're listening to is edited. Right. You know, it's like when people go to see stand-ups and they don't know anything about comedy, he's just making that up. Well, that's what makes me mad about stand-up too. Oh, I guess. I'm not going to say it too loud because I hate it from right behind <laughs> But it's like you go on stage and you're prepared and you have a beginning, middle, and end and you have a yeah. setup and a punchline. Why wouldn't you do that on your podcast? Why would you go on there and expect us to be entertained by using, uh, what else is there to talk about? Or, uh, I don't even know who you yeah. are. Yeah, and know. of course, you know, there's the guys that can pull it off and I don't know, you know, you don't know how their process works. So somebody like a Bill Burr, Great but does it. he have a whiteboard? Does he have notes? Is he is it all coming out of his head? You don't. I don't, you don't know. I don't know. But I, yeah. I feel I've interviewed him on the phone. I did a panel show. Yeah. It was uh, for Tom Papa was the host. Oh, okay. It was a great panel. Tom Papa, uh, Daniel Tosh, and um, Bill Aisha Tyler. Oh, nice. And Bill, and uh, and they were all great. And they, but they all had different processes. So, but Bill was. I give him a subject, and he would rant for twenty minutes on it, and it would be hilarious. And then I give him next one, and he keeps doing that. Amazing. And then when he came in, he goes, what did I say? And I'd read him back the notes, he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, for him, I feel like he might be able to top his head. Yeah, you know, Dana people. Carvey's like that. You know, I've had him on several times. He's a friend of mine, and he'll he'll call me up and go, what did I, have you put the show out yet? I go, not yet. He says, what did I say? Uh-huh. And I'd, re- I'd, I'd tell him, he goes, well, can you take that one thing out? I just, you know, what that was just some, it was just, you know, some piece of business that he came up with. He says, I'm actually kind of working on that piece, and I'm going to do it on tonight's show, and it's not quite finished yet, so I don't want it out there yet. Uh-huh. So, all right, so I'll slice the thing out. But he oh, just, just spews. It's just amazing. I can't keep up with him. Yeah, he's amazing. How did, when did you work with, you worked with him? I've known him since I'm going to say 1983 because uh-huh. I used to oh, book comedy. I, I used to book comedy in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Uh, so I got to know him there, and then I worked with him. I, I wor- worked on movie scripts with him and stuff like that. And he lives 10 minutes from me. So did he? Was he always improv, or does he do? That? He doesn't do it. He never does improv. He's never it ever like done it. improv. Wow. Or sketch. All uh-huh. he's ever really. I mean, he's done sketch in the course of SNL, uh-huh. but it's not like he has a sketch comedy background. Um, but he refers to his act as one man sketch because uh-huh. he doesn't just do you know set up punchline kinds of jokes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he'll you know he'll sit in and do improv with us. There's a show up there we do on Tuesday nights, and he'll sometimes just he'll be doing stand up and he'll get dragged into doing it. And he's great at it, but he just insists he can't do improv. Oh, but he's great at it yeah. once he does it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it seems like his whole act. I guess I'm a neophyte. I thought he was totally made up his whole act as he went along. Yeah, no, no. It's all he comes out with notes and his. I've tried to put help him put his notes in order. We used to have a thing called the tome. Uh-huh. It was literally 85 pages of notes I typed up from his scribbles. Wow. And he goes, he, he would take it with him on the road, and he go, he come back, he goes, I can't work with this thing. I said, Well, why? It's it's all in sections by the bit. And yeah. He says, he but he he wrote out his notes for me. He says, This is what I do before. I go on stage he takes a yellow piece of paper and it, he puts like this flow chart together wow. and it's like if this bit goes well do this thing if it doesn't go well go over here and then he'll go out there and it'll all be in his head because he uh-huh. writes it out before he goes out there that's amazing and so he's got the flow chart and that's how he decides his act's gonna go I've interviewed um, a bunch of comedians but I interviewed Martin Short and what he does is he'll send you uh, um, a file, a big file, a word file, and you look at it, and there's all these different bits on it, and they're all in different fonts. Because they're all in different. He blocked and copied a bunch of. Yeah, them. yeah. And um, and you pick three or four that you like, and then you call him. First he sends it to you, then he calls really? you, so that you ask for your email. You pick five or six that you like or whatever. He he calls you, and then you tell him which ones you want to do, 
and being Martin Short, uh, he'll tell you no while you're wrong, and, and which ones he'd rather do. But it's just amazing that he had all these bits, yeah. and then you write setups for bits, like, as if... Oh, really? And, like and he's going to be on a talk show? It's for a talk show. Oh, okay, yeah. But I produce him on talk show. Oh, okay. Shows. And then he does it, and it sounds so like he does, on top of his head. So he does his own pre-interview, basically. Pretty much, and he sends it out to all the shows, so if he's doing five shows, except for Letterman, I'm sure yeah. he does something different, but... Huh. Uh, he'll send out the little shows and then you try to pick and then also it's good he'll say oh, I'm doing that on Ellen so let's not do that bit or whatever so so that's good and then we're in a dressing room and he wanted to do a bit about um, it was a poop joke basically and I didn't want to do it and I didn't want to have a poop joke for my show and, yeah. and he was like basically saying well your audience would appreciate this joke which made me angry <laughs> you know it made me feel like it's not my show I'm not the host but yeah, I just yeah. felt like this is my audience how dare you and <laughs> And I started to argue with him, and he literally said, well, on SCTV, we would. And I thought, oh, fuck, he's Martin Short. Mm -hmm. So he's right. And then, and B, what a fucking snobby thing to say, but he's Martin Short. I'll take whatever you want. And anything he was going to do was going to be hilarious. That's what's, I just wanted to clean it up. That's one of those things about Hollywood that has kind of driven me nuts, because I've worked on a couple of projects with Carvey, and he gets in these... Things where producers tell him, "Well, we're going to do it this way." Yeah. He says, "Well, this is where the joke is." He goes, "No, well, we're going to do it this way." It's like you're talking to Dana Carvey. You're probably half his age. All right, so I'll tell you from the other end, from the other yeah. side of the table. A, yeah, it's crazy. You're paying all this money for Dana Carvey. You got him flying from San Francisco. And, right. Yeah, it's not easy, and he's a big star, and you look good for getting. Him. But they're not serving the people. They're not serving Dana Carvey. These guys, and myself included, on different news. You're serving your boss. Sure. Your boss comes in that day and says, "No poop jokes." And Dana Carvey goes and he comes with the best poop jokes, and you're like, "Ah!" Oh, and you want to, you don't want to say no. My boss doesn't want it. You say, yeah. ah, "America's not so happy about poop." Or, you know, go ahead. And then the genius Dana Carvey and you have worked on it. Like, what? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Then you come back a week later, and the boss is like, "I love poop jokes," and only because they want to. Sure. And so their kid told a funny poop joke, and it's on their head. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a famous story about the executive whose name I just forget, the famous executive who literally went to his kids uh, back to school night and he had to think about spiders and he thought it was so. Kevin Smith talks about it. Oh, okay, yeah. When he was writing Superman. So he went into his office, uh, Peter Goober. Yes. And he said, uh, This is for Wild Wild West, right? Yeah, well, that's how it got into Wild Wild West. <laughs> he said to Kevin Smith, Superman should fight a spider. I went to his back to school night and they talked about spiders and it was so interesting. Oh and he refused and got fired or whatever. And then you see it in Wild Wild West and you go, That's why it's in Wild Wild West. Yes. Because he happened to have spiders on his brain. Uh, and it is how it works. And I remember pitching a show to a friend of mine, a game show, and he's like, "Oh yeah, okay." And then he, I, I pitched it again. He said, "Oh, this week we're not we're not doing game shows anymore." They decided no more game shows, even though he liked the idea. Yeah. But he's there to keep his job. Of he's course. not there to serve me or serve Dana Carvey. Yeah. So no, I, Dana, I, I, it's just that's the other side of it. It's like everyone we all have, everyone listening has a job, yeah. and that's the same thing. It just they yeah, want to keep their job. I pitched this. Uh, this idea to the Disney Channel years ago to this guy. It was a, it was a, a thing where a kid goes away for summer vacation. When he comes back, he, he's different. He's had a growth spurt. And his best friend kind of almost doesn't recognize him. He's so, so different. It turns out he's part of an uh, extraterrestrial ex student exchange program, and uh -huh. there's a different being inside his body, and he's, he's off across the galaxy somewhere. Uh -huh. And the guy loved it, and I had the whole write-up, and he, he calls me and says, my boss says we don't show any shows where a kid gets taken over by anything. What? By anything. By anything, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like possession, so we can't show that. 
Wow. And that might just be because the boss had dinner with a, a bunch of crazy religious people who said, I don't like your network yeah, because you have these possession shows or whatever. And right, like, exactly. Oh, and he gets upset and he's like, oh, I don't want people not to like me. That's right. He makes it a mandate. <laughs> yeah, I pitched at this network and the guy who was notoriously, he just had a reputation for not being good. He mm. wanted, um, he wanted to do a blind date meets I don't know the talk suit let's see I forgot the other show so and as he's been trying to get that show up now. okay and so I went in and I pitched my show which was a reality show where you kind of play pranks on people and this is before reality shows oh okay and he said he said to me well we can't do a prank show because uh, and you, you can't get people to people don't they have to sign he talked to me like I don't know you have to people have to sign releases and they won't sign releases I was like well I don't know Canon Camera figured out how to do that for 50 years yeah uh, and he goes well after you prank them they won't want to sign it I was like that's that's my problem. Like it'll happen, and I was so mad. So I remembered that he wanted this show, this hybrid. So I was like, well, let me just get it. Let me hit one out of the park. So I said, I got this idea. It's blind date meets um, the suit, and I pitch him and I make him this whole thing, and his face just gets more and more dejected, and he goes, I made that last year. And my boss just hated it. <laughs> like, he finally got to make it. And he was so happy to hear somebody else had this, yeah. the same great idea. But his bosses didn't like it. Oh, God. Yeah. It's so depressing. But but now, if you have a clip show or a panel show, you can sell that. Yeah, now. So, at, at the moment. Yeah. You can make that a clip show. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, but, it, you know, it opens the door to the uh, conversation about there, the limitations there are on formats for podcasting, of course. Okay. There aren't any. There's no executives. I mean, no. No, nobody may listen, but there's no, there's nothing at the moment that stops you from doing anything. There's I think as long as you want to do it. Yeah. And I think about that too in my podcast. Like I've done it three years and over a hundred episodes. And how much longer do I want to do it? Right. And then I get to do it. I'm going to interview Shadow Stevens. He made this great, uh, I do cult movies, great cult movie called Tracks. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it, I'm so excited. I get to talk to him. If I didn't have the podcast, if I gave up the podcast, he would never just have dinner with me. You know, so, so I get one listener on it. That's one more than I would have had dinner with him. But, um, you know, so why are you doing it? It's a limitation of why you want to do it. Right. You can do it. You cannot do it. Right. It's funny. All these other shows, these panels are saying, do this and do that for your podcast. And, and then they say, well, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But follow these rules. (laughs) Right. Because then you become successful. But I think if you have, if you're happy doing it, then. Yeah. And most of the success is not going to come from following the format or reading some book about here's how you put your podcast together. It's going to be finding an original idea that people want to listen to. Uh Right. I mean, this one that I hadn't even heard of before tonight. It's that's that night veil one. Huge. Never heard of it. Oh my God! Yeah, it's so big. And now uh, it's gigantic. It's like amazing. The guy was talking. I was, he was at the how to monetize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was talking about his five million listeners. Un- and has no advertising. Yeah, people give him money. People just handing him money. It's so, <laughs> but, but they also did research on what people want and what they wanted to do. Right. And they're kind of doing what they want to do, which is great. Yeah. yeah. No, that's perfect. Um, so, uh, I mean, that's the the beautiful thing about it. And I was going to ask you now that you have been doing. Uh, proudly resents for for this length of time because I'm coming up with the same thing too. You know, I'm I'm 30 episodes away from hitting my hundred, and it's like, how long do I want to keep doing this? You know, um, so what do you think you you will do uh, as proudly resents moves forward and as you know, depending on the time you have available to work on it. Yeah, I think if I can keep getting people on to talk about movies or interviews then I'll do it as long as I can get things that I'm interested in I'll just keep doing it and I think people would be interested in 
I'll put it on. But I, once it becomes a work, or mm-hmm. once it becomes just like, oh, I need to put some shit on the air just to fill up so I can be every week, um, then eventually I'll, I'll have to stop. You know, uh, I don't know because I try to find time to do it, even though you know this job takes up all my time. Yeah. But as long as I like doing it, I think I'll do it. And then once there's no reason to do it. I'll pop it. Like last year, I worked on a, on a court TV show, and that was just mm. all my time. And I was doing like shitty episodes, and you can see the numbers drop. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I moved. The, and one guy actually, the saddest thing, this movie guy decided to review my show. And he listened to three episodes, and he picked the three worst episodes. Oh God! And, he's, and then I wrote him saying, "Why did you try this episode?" And he's like, "No, I tried three. I think that." And I was like, "You're right." You're right. I mean, what more can I ask for the guy? Uh, I could ask for one. I did ask for one more. But um, I think as long as I can keep it good, I'll keep it on the air. And that's why I went to every other week, just so oh, okay. I yeah, that, yeah. compromise. I just don't want it to become work. Unless I'm making money on it. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, my I don't have a regular schedule for dropping this, because work gets in the way so much. It's like, I can either really try and make this thing drop once a week, every, uh-huh. you know, on the same day, and ha- run into that problem. It's just, it's going to be crap. Right. You know, by trying to do that. Can you do every other week? I can. I felt like you Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, I can hit every other week. Yeah. Because I feel like when your show pops up, I feel like it's. It's in a, my mind. It's, every it's week. yeah. It's about ten days or so. It depends what's going on. If I have an interview, it makes it easier because then I have to get less clips. Uh huh. Um, because the clips is what takes all the time. You find a lot. Of I find a lot of them. I've got uh, I've got a listener who's been clipping me like th- he can do like three to six clips a week if I want them from him. Oh wow! Uh, Different shows. Yeah, and, yeah, and they're good shows. And I've uh, I've ta- I've taken to calling him my um, my honorary associate producer. That's great. Uh, so that's been very helpful, Tyson Sainer. Thank you, Tyson. Thank you. Send Tyson a gift card. Yes. That's where I got it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good point. Good yeah. point. Um, but. Um, yeah, it's the uh, the. the Tyson, con- I have your back. <laughs> one of the th- one of the things you know they said in the monetization thing, and it's something that you quickly come to realize is that consistency is really important in terms of developing listenership and and developing your sound. You know yeah. what the style of the show is going to be. Yeah, that's another problem with my show is that I jump different styles. Like I'll do three comics or two comics, and we'll talk about a movie. Yeah. We'll make fun of a movie, or I'll have this one Nico on which is the most right. popular one. She's really funny. She's from England. She insults me for a half hour, and then we talk about the <laughs> right, movie. Right, right. Uh, and then I do interviews with people, but I feel like I don't know which one I want to give up. I still like when you had the, the kids inter- uh, review the movie. Oh, yeah, we had a little kids review <laughs> yeah, we, um, bad kids Yeah, we, we clipped that one. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cute. That's and a great idea. There was It was so funny because I thought I could do an hour with them in my mind. <laughs> and they, they quickly ran out of speed. Well, yeah, one was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And the other one literally just said, I want to watch Dora. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that'd be great for a regular show. It's just they make it 12 minutes and yeah. kind of run out of steam. And I think the listener, too, like, just run out. Do you feel like going long is better? Like going? It all depends on the content. Uh, so, you know, if I've got a, if I have an interview, um, there's certain things I want to get into the regular show. Uh, you know, I want to have some clips. Uh, it doesn't have to be a whole lot if I have a good interview. Uh-huh. Uh, but if I have a good interview that runs an hour and 20 minutes, I'll, why not play the whole thing? Uh-huh. Uh, I don't want to do a two-parter. I just, just, that never seems to feel good to me to have a two-part interview show. I don't know why. I did that for, uh, I had Bobcat on. Yes, which I, was, I actually listened to both of those halves because Bobcat's fascinating. Right, him I can get away with. And then I had Robert Morton, who's the EP yes. of Letterman. Yeah. And people loved that interview with him, and I had luckily split into two because then people were sending me emails saying when's the second half oh okay that's good that's and good then I had Eric Schaefer on oh, he's Eric. directed uh, My Life's a Turnaround and okay a bunch of stuff starved and um, 
I was like, ah, no one's really going to care. And I did an hour interview, and it was a spot I could have cut two hours. It was like a hugely popular episode. So I was like, ah, oh, I could have split that up. Okay, yeah. But I just feel like after an hour, people are going to stop. For me, like, once I get to work, I stop listening, and I may or may not pick up. Yeah. So commutes like a half hour. So I figure, like, I just did an interview with a guy who's in um, Toxic Avenger. He played one of the bad guys. Oh, okay. And we talked about Toxic Avenger for 15 minutes. And then we talked about this theater he ran in New York with Alternative Comedy Theater and Surf Reality. Oh, okay. And launched all these people. And he talked about that for 45 minutes. So That's I cool. Him up. Yeah. Yeah. I just figured because people care about one, not the other. Yeah. And then I, you know, I, the uh, the tweet sack thing is usually sort of the midpoint of the show. Uh-huh. And I, I run it sort of, I run the show a little bit content wise. Like uh, I imagine they do SNL because I'll, I'll put like, the, the people that send me podcasts that I just go, well, I didn't clip this, and I, I like the fact they sent it in, but it, it I don't know if this is the clip I would have picked from their show, right. uh, but I'm going to put it on, but I'll put it in towards the back half of the show, uh-huh. you know, and I'll put, you know, I'll put one or two decent clips in there so it keeps people listening, but by the same token, I go, you know, people are going to, if I go over an hour, it's like, well, people are going to start to tune out or hang it up or whatnot, um, <clears throat> but then I do things also for the people that hang in there, you know, I, do, I run these uh these audio succotash recipes. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've had I've had podcasters doing them for me, uh-huh. uh, and they'll do their own characters and sound effects and stuff. So I've been replacing the real succotash recipes with these goofy ones. Yeah, yeah, they're funny. Uh, so those are fun, and so those, you know, fun, someone's going to stick around all that time, give them something interesting there's, to listen to, right? Yeah. Has there been clips that you've gotten that you're like, oof, this is bad? Uh, yeah, there's been there's been some that I just I go, well, I I can't put this on is it too dirty or too oh no i don't care i don't care about the dirty part i mean people if they think that if they think they're being funny else you know i never diss them i i will i will couch it in certain ways i'll put it up i'll go this is not exactly my cup of tea right but comedy subjective (laughs) this show has listeners so maybe you'll become one of them here's 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 a taste I got a promo for someone. We're trading promos, and it was so I couldn't air it. It was just not my sensibility. Yeah. And it's my show, and it was. And I, I didn't want to change the rating. It was just like talking about pooping or shitting or something. It's like oh, I just don't want to have that on. And I felt really bad. And I said, Hey, can you send me something else? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, my mom listens or something. I just, <laughs> but I just felt bad. I just, I, I couldn't put it on. But one guy sent me a plug that was three minutes long, and I left it on because it was kind of funny and kind of fit my format. <laughs> okay. Of like. Good bad things. Yeah. yeah, I I don't like playing promos. I've had I've had several shows, a lot of shows, send me promos. You know, all prepackaged with yeah. the whole thing. I go, well, that on a clip show doesn't work. It works great if somebody's you're helping somebody out and playing their promo. Yeah. But on a clip show, it suddenly sounds weirdly out of place. It's right, like all clips. Yeah, I'd like to hear a sample of the show, not your your best moments. You know. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, full two minutes. Yeah. Um, Have people gone over the limit time limit? Uh, yeah, you know, I say three to five minute clips, and some people will send me like a five and a half or six minute clip, oh, and I'll, I'll just cut it myself once uh-huh. I get it. I'll just because people don't know how to cut. What I, do you mean? What's the biggest thing you found? Um, they just they'll let a joke go on and on. They go, well, you got to have the whole thing in there. Oh no, no, you don't. No, this is it's funny to hear. And remember, I'm trying to get somebody to listen to your show. Mm-hmm. So why are you giving it all away anyway? Yeah. If they think this part's funny, they're gonna listen to the rest of it. Hopefully, if they people think more is better. Yeah. It's not. No, it's better is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did an interview with uh, Tony Clifton, and he told the story yeah, that oh, he's told on uh, <laughs> Love that a, interview. a comedy that bang great. bang. And so I took it, and I put it at the end, like you were saying, because mm-hmm. I figured 
people are listening, they, they might tune out by the end. Yeah. And I got all these people writing me going, I, I heard that story at Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, but then turn it off. Yeah, people's criticism is very okay. You know, this show's free, right? That's my big thing. You're not paying anything for this. Yeah, yeah. You know, how dare you? I, I don't mind honest criticism. Uh-huh. You know, uh, hey, your show sounds like you, you know, it was recorded in a tin can this week. But it was. You did record in your car. That's sometimes. right. That's right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it, it's funny what people pull, pull out to, to kind of pick on. What show have you discovered through your show that you love? That you listen to now? Besides Probably Resents. Uh, besides <laughs> Probably Resents? Um, all the shows I've found is because I've been doing them through my show. I mean, it's the only reason I listen to podcasts anymore is uh-huh. my show. Um, I love finding a show that when it first breaks, because I used to go, I'll wait till it's on for like 10 episodes and make sure it's got some legs. Right. But now I let, there's so many comics getting into it now. That it's like, I love finding somebody new. Like, I played Dana Gould's show, the first one out of the box. Well, you know it's going to be great. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, Mike and Tom eat snacks. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I think it's kind of run its course at this point. But yeah. uh, it fucking hilarious premise. What are they? Because it's just, it's just stupid. They just, they pick a snack uh-huh. food and they just, ostensibly all they do is they pick it, they rate it, and they review it. But it's all the, the jabber around the show before they even get to the snack. Right. Um, and so, you know, this, you kind of don't care, although some of the snack stuff is hilarious. And like they had, um, they had a guy come in and make uh, guacamole in the studio for them. Fresh guacamole was their snack. Uh-huh. And, um, it turns out that, uh, Tom is allergic to avocado. And so, <laughs> so he's, well, he's just, uh, we wanted to pick this as a snack and I, I'm going to just, I won't eat very much of it. And, wow. he, and he start. you can hear his throat cl- closing up on the show oh as it's God. going on. They kind of had to kind of had to call the show short. It was hilarious. Because the guy might die. Yeah. <laughs> but it was real. It was yeah. real. It was great. There's a, there's a show called Movie. I think they stopped doing it. A movie and an argument. And oh, that's funny. And they write for like Slate or uh, Mother Jones or some hmm. magazine like that. And there's a, a man and a woman. And, and they got to be in their early 20s. And they're the snottiest sounding people. And uh, it just is, you know. They're like, oh, and and you know, there's some podcasts like that where they just sound, <laughs> yes. and their voice cracks, and they don't stop talking. They talk yeah, yeah. Um, they miss, and they talk about movies. They talk about pop culture. Nothing intellectual, just you know. They'll, but they'll talk about it in an intellectual way, and they'll mispronounce everybody's name, <laughs> but in a snotty way. On purpose? No, because, well, they just don't know. Oh, that's hilarious! So, you know, oh, know. they're so, so far out of Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, oh my god so that's fun to listen to yeah and they, I, i'm upset they stopped doing it but maybe someone said hey these you know, are all wrong that's <laughs> hilarious uh there was a show that i i i liked that um the guy the guys changed formats it was um god, i can't remember what it was called now um but it was a show where they reviewed uh movie trailers Oh, great. Not the movies, uh-huh. the trailers. And they would never see the movie. Right. And they would, and, th- and then they would guess how it was going to score on Rotten Tomatoes, how the movie itself was going to score, and then they would report back the next episode. Oh, that's great. It was a great idea. And then they, they, they changed formats entirely. Uh, they just just pop culture stuff. And I, I critique, they, they sent in the, a clip from their new show. They said, hey, you liked our old show. Tell us what you think of this one. Uh-huh. And uh, I so I said, oh, okay. And they said, oh, would you review it on the air? I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll review it on the podcast. That's ballsy. <laughs> and I said, I said, I think what you guys are doing fine, but there's a million podcasts that do this. Yeah. Said, you guys had a unique hook. Uh-huh. And you stepped away from it before it could catch fire. 
and maybe it will never catch fire, but it's unique. And they they thank me, and they they put a segment back in their show about it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We did that once for um, oh, it was this terrible film that was coming out, and we we had a guest. We did that idea, but I never aired it. So by the time I aired it, oh, okay. I was like too old. Yeah. You know, the movie had already flopped. We were guessing if the movie would oh, okay. make any money. And yeah. Yeah, it was just like, uh, it, it's timely. I mean, it went away. You can cut that part out, really. It's about me and not funny and nor interesting. Uh, it's weird. Do you feel weird about reviewing podcasts or do you feel? Um, I, I certainly feel, well, I've, you know, I've been reviewing movies and stuff kind of on my own for small publications and things like that um, for a long time. Uh, so I, I feel qualified. To review, so I mean, every anyone's qualified to review right, something, right. right? But I feel like I can professionally review something and say why something isn't working. Uh-huh. Um, and that's originally what this show was going to be, and I just kind of moved away from it primarily because I felt the podcast industry for me, and I think we even talked about this maybe last year, um, is even now it's still kind of too young to take a severe hit of somebody who's just going to start bashing shows. Uh huh. Um, and so I, I wanted to be someone who was more about, hey, here's the medium, check it out, see what you think, right. and give people a chance, you know. Uh, there's some half-assed shows that get real good, and there's some shitty shows that disappear. Um, there's also good shows that disappear, because the hosts get tired, they argue, whatever happens, you know. So right. it's in that weird state of flux where nobody knows really what this industry is going to do. Yeah, um, so, so I would review, but I just, I don't, unless somebody asks, I'm right. happy to say, I'll give it a listen and tell you what I think of it. And you, but you write reviews, is it reviews for, um, Cider? Yeah, they're, they're reviews, but they're all supposed to be, you're supposed to find a show that, um, that you can talk up. They don't, they don't uh-huh. want you bashing the show. It's, it, okay. it's this week in comedy podcast. So they're looking for, you know, depending how many guys on the panel are writing, it's four or five reviews of, of stuff that's funny this week that somebody uh-huh. maybe didn't find. Um, so those aren't really reviews. Um, well, it's good. The recommendations you're helping. The yeah, and then I'm a, I'm a uh, I'm a blogger on Huffington Post, which I Never got when it, yeah. <laughs> when when my book came out. My, I uh, hate people. My, Bill my, on hardback. Yes, my my publicist uh, got me and my co-author uh, vetted as bloggers. Oh, great. On there, I don't. And people. What does that mean? Well, I, I have a password, and I can go up, and I can post whenever I want to. Uh-huh. And I've never talked to anybody. Occasionally, they'll... they'll um, one time I heard from them, they, they wanted to make sure I wasn't associated with something I was talking about. Okay. But other than that, I've never... And I've had people call and say, hey, how do I get in there? Is there someone I call? I said, I have no idea. Read an entire book. I've never talked right? to... Do all this work, and then someone will get you vetted. Yeah, I've never yeah. talked to a human there, so I don't know anybody there. Um, but I... So, so I started reviewing friends of mine's movies, that you know, the people that got kickstarted movies going uh-huh. and so I would write a review for their movie I'll, oh that's great I'll write a review for you uh-huh. and it helps them out <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah we did a, uh, I did an episode about a guy who has a kickstarter for a documentary about himself he was an, an extra in the movie Argo <laughs> and he but a featured extra like there's a whole shot of him okay and he feels like he wants more money and a credit in, the, in IMDB and <laughs> and he's just turn your video on I hate, it's just nuts and but but <laughs> this I, is yeah, legitimate he, legitimate so <laughs> just because it's a better interview and he's a human being i talked to him like he's a real per, i do a, i did a real interview with him like but it was and he's a nice guy i just you know i think they, I, I do think it's kind of crazy and i tried not to i don't want to judge i want to get yeah. as much information and help him out and get the kickstarter but i want and i cut it just for time because he kept talking saying the same thing over yeah. and over again but i said You've got to. St- I, I basically almost said you've got to stop this. <laughs> I said, "Is this really worth it?" 
you know, in such a nice way, like, ah, do you think it's worth what you're doing? And he's like, yes, yeah, so, oh, okay. Because it's one of those things in this town where if you look like you're problematic, uh-huh. people just won't work All right. with you. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, crazy. Um, I wrote for uh, several movies for the Hallmark Channel. Uh-huh. And uh, my uh, my producer said, I, I said, hey, that's great. You're giving me all this work. He said, well, I keep giving you this work because you're not an asshole. Uh-huh. He said, I've worked with tons of writers. And they all get to write one movie for us. Oh wow! And when they turn, when it turns out that they're a dick, that's the one movie they'll write for us. And I, he says, there's there's ten thousand writers who can write this. So why do I need to go back and hire this guy? Right. Why are you be paying? Yes. He says, you're a nice guy. I mean, they let me on the, on the, the set every day of production. Uh huh. They let me on the set. They let me in pre-production. They let me in the editing room. Is it hard for you not to say something? No, because I realized how the game was played. I What's just. That? Just be quiet, because uh-huh. eventually they will ask you your opinion. Right. But if you volunteer your opinion, then you're an asshole. It's so hard for me to just keep my mouth shut. Even in my job now, I'll come out. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to say anything, and then I'll just say like, "What about this?" All three. Or, you know, sounds great. Yeah, I don't know. All three. All three of the movies that got produced, I uh-huh. I didn't say anything, and by day three at the latest. The director was asking me. So oh, that's great. Actors were asking me for input. Uh-huh. Because they start to realize we've never really had the writer on the set before. I mean, uh-huh. I literally had crew people say, what do you do here? I said, well, I'm the writer. I had one guy said, I've never met a writer before. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, it was just a question of, okay, you know, if you're going to let me on the set, I'll, I'll, I'll be respectful. And I'll just, if you don't want me to talk, I'll, I'll just watch. And, a lot of self-control. I saw the, the author of... Uh, of E. Pray so Love. Yeah. She spoke. And someone said, What did you think of the movie? And were you upset? Or and she said, Amazingly, she said, I sold them this book. I sold them the right. Whatever they decide is up to them. That's because it's, yeah. I sold it to them. That's exactly and, how I think about screenplays. Uh-huh. I, I think of myself as an architect and I've drawn up this blueprint. Uh-huh. And now a contractor's bought this. It's being made by him. And if they want to move the living room or get rid of those pillars or put an extra bathroom in, well, that's their job. What if they ruin your movie? It's not my movie. It's my blueprint. And they can never fuck up my blueprint. Oh, that's great. Because I can always open it and read it and go, Uh oh, that would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have a box of your stuff. That's right. right. I edit my own interviews now, like before you do the interview uh, with a guest, and then you go home, and the supervising producer of the EP will go, and they'll edit out stuff for time. Oh, okay. And then you bitch and moan and say, oh, I'm a genius, they took out the funniest part, but now I sit in the edit room and I think, oh, shit, I got to take that out. And uh, and it's funny you say that about talking to I had this editor now who, when I came down, he said, oh, I already figured out how to take out this section because it's so boring. Go fuck you. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I, we got, and then I had to explain to him why he doesn't know the backstory, why I need to leave that in. Yeah. And fuck you for saying it's boring. But, right, if he just said, all right, you know, just quickly edit itself, we'd be fine. Yeah. I, I worked on a show and they kept the change of the regime, but they all liked the, the show, right? And, and this happened twice regime changed twice and the same thing happened twice where they held up the, the bible of the show because it was a format show and they said um, I love this idea I have not read this book, <laughs> but I love it and I cannot wait to make it <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like now I look at my partner like oh boy we're screwed oh <laughs> like, my god it's hilarious uh, such a such a wonderful fuck town I think once you realize <laughs> it's like any other job plumber McDonald's, that's uh, lawyer, 
you know, it's the same thing. There's office politics. There's people who are trying to get your job. There's people who are trying to keep their job. There's your boss who just wants to keep their job. Yeah. So shit rolls downhill, and the decisions are arbitrary. The guy went to Paris. He needs a write-off. Buys it. You know, they... Yeah, so it's not you. It's not that they're dumb. You know, not the studio yeah. executives don't get comedy. It's just that they're just doing their job, which is not to make your oh. vision is to keep their job yes and that's exactly the job. that when you realize that it's like how do i help you keep your job right and then some shit gets on the air and the, they don't even know the dynamic that. changes instantly it's a totally different thing and yet from the outside you would never know that's the true dynamic uh-huh yeah i was totally i was developing a show i was i was acting like an artist and feeling like people were trying to censor me and instead of like oh let me serve what they need and get this thing on air and make a lot of money and move on but yeah, I think he just became a baby. Like I would never do that. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, that's what we need. Anyway, so we're talking about the uh, the, the the business of show business, but uh, I guess we should close on the business of podcasting. Oh, yeah, we're talking about independent podcasts a lot. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's how we met. Uh, there's a Facebook group that started called Independent Podcast Alliance, where uh, for people who do podcasts in their living room or at home or whatever without the support of a network right uh, get people a network of people to help you with with questions and promotions yeah like and that. it's a great group you started that I mean they really do help with technical issues and, and things like that yeah so join in on Facebook uh, and we've been getting a lot recently I wonder why so we, uh, podcast 101 which you and I have both been on but they talk about it and people join from there. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, I should. I actually should plug it more because my audience is so heavily made up of podcasters or yeah. wannabe podcasters. Yeah, the number one question is like, how do I promote my podcast and how do I make money? Is the second one. Yes. And the what number one not to promote your podcast is not to spam me with every episode you do <laughs> and it starts with the guys talk about and you list like teddy bears, and, you know, fucking turtles, and like I'm not. Because you're, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and like the one thing they said at the monetization thing yesterday that really holds true is if you're in podcasting to make money, that's not the right motivation. Uh-huh. You know, uh, it's just like getting into comedy or getting into writing. It's because you've got stories to tell. You've got something you want to say. Right. Uh, and if you make money at it, fantastic. But if that's your motivation, I think it kind of colors everything you do. And, you know, yeah. I think people see through it. Uh, it seems disingenuous, the information you're, you're giving out. And you're not having fun. You're right. doing all this work in your basement with all these microphones, and you're, yeah, you're not enjoying it. I think if that's what you're doing it for, try seven episodes, and if you're not famous by episode seven, quit. That's right. Yeah, because you're wasting your time. That's right. Yeah, that's what, that's what my wife would have had me do. do. To just, quit. How yeah, does she just, feel about you doing this? Oh, she doesn't even, she won't listen to it. She doesn't. She won't? No, no, no. She listened once when I made her. Uh -huh. She goes, why am I going to listen to you? I have to listen to you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she says, I don't even like what you do. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you play clips. Of she says, I want to hear the whole show. I said, well, that's why I play the clips. So you go and listen to the show. She goes, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> she just stopped the whole show right then. That's right. Maybe you're right. Uh, yeah, focus I'm, group. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, my wife listened to the first few episodes. And then she just kind of stopped and pretended. For a while that she still listens yes. and we'd be like oh yeah yeah i heard that one yeah i yeah. you didn't yeah <laughs> but I, that one up. I used to be roommates with a guy that was on local tv up in san francisco and uh he would he would come home uh i'd come home from work because he worked early morning and he'd go hey did you see the show today and i go uh i go no i said oh i did this interview with this he sit me down i have to watch this interview right. and so i got used to go he would leave before i left in the morning so i would turn on his show and i'd catch like two spots 
before I went to work. Uh-huh. You know, just a couple of minutes in each. And I come home and go, hey, did you catch show? Yeah, I saw the so-and-so with the such and such. And the other thing was the guy. He goes, oh, good, good. <laughs> Yeah, you get out. Yeah, you need a couple of details, and then you're out. Yeah, one one day, one day I came home, and uh, there was a girl over who he was going to be taking out to dinner, and he had stopped at the house literally to show her stuff of him on TV. And he left the room for me. I said, "Run, run as fast as you can. Get out yeah. now." You think that works? I don't. How can it? Yeah, like, well, she already knew you're on TV. Just yeah. Let the fantasy of what it is. Exactly. You know, run. Exactly. Yeah, we had uh, Hannibal Burrs on. On uh, the Kamal Bell show. Oh, yeah. Oregon. And I, I was totally unorganized. He called me. I didn't realize the time he was calling for the interview. And I said, Oh, thank And I always say, like, Thanks for being on the show. And then sometimes I'll say, Have you seen the show? So I just said, You know, automatic, Thanks for doing the show. Have you seen the show? And the guy's like, And Hannibal says, Yeah, I've been on it twice. It was before I started working there. And they go, I know, that's what I meant. Which made no sense. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> That's very funny. Well, listen. Good luck. Uh, continued success with uh, with the uh, the Kamal Bell show. Remember, remember, tell him I said hi. Um, and he's supposed to do my show. He knows he's supposed to do my show, but we keep. Uh, he comes to San Francisco like once every six months now, so it's like trying to get him to sit down is impossible. Oh, he's a jerk. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I know personally. He's he's be, he's really busy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, let me know what goes on with proudly resents as you continue to uh, to muddle through with it because uh, it's a great show. Thanks. And, yeah, it's not muddling. It's producing it. We're not produ- muddling. Well, no. In term by muddling, I mean <laughs> trying to find time to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, the muddling part, right. not not the. Well, I'm off this week, so I have Thursday. Five interviews stacked up. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, well, good. Good. Uh, so absolutely, Adam. I love thank your you. Show, man. Thank big, you very much. Big help for the podcast. Oh, thanks, ma'am. Thanks again to Adam for taking a chunk of time out to chat with me while we're at the podcast festival. Remember to look for Proudly Resents at proudlyresents.com. And if you are a podcaster, drop into the Independent Podcaster Association page on Facebook. President Obama, good president, bad president. Kind of doesn't matter. It's all material for raging moderate Will Durst's comedy mill in this week's Burst O' Durst. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about the liberal exodus off the presidential bandwagon, which is approaching clacks on fire drill evacuation levels. Even inside his own party, there seems to be a few questions about Obama's leadership skills, which, according to some, is similar to saying Paladin Apollo theater bookings. It splits up into three camps. The side of the party that's a little to the left of Fidel, who will never be happy until he twitches his nose and world peace and an end to planetary hunger both break out simultaneously. The centrists, who don't understand why everyone is so mad at the president, after all, he hasn't done anything, and Joe Biden. But really, it's not Obama's fault. Progressives initially hailed him as one of their own because, well, compared to George W. Bush, Cardinal Richelieu would have seemed progressive. But in truth, Barack was always a middle-of-the-road kind of a guy. A facilitator who brought people together. Of course, the only way to bring the squabbling children inside today's beltway together is through the use of a wind tunnel, fire hose, and 55-gallon drum of industrial-strength glue. You don't send a constitutional lawyer into the Wrangler National Rodeo Finals and expect them to come out wearing the champion Bullrider trophy buckle. 
But after dithering on Syria and the disastrous Obamacare website rollout, Democrats are falling off his presidential bus faster than milk sours in Mexico. Fall off, jumping off, like Maui sunbathers at a stop sign next to a complimentary sand-out-of-your-butt spatula stand. But you can never count this guy out. No matter what you think of Obama's policies, you got to admire his ability not to get involved in them. He himself would tell you he's the opposite of a superhero. A zero hero. Who else could make Joe Biden look presidential? And who knows? Maybe that's the plan. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Read more Durst at willdurst.com. You can also find him tweeting on Twitter at Will Durst. That's W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. So uh, check him out because he's funny whether you're listening, watching, or reading, Mr. Durst. Thanks so much for joining us for episode 75. We are three quarters of the way there, if there is episode 100. And just a reminder that uh, it really, really, really helps out if you take just a few moments to go up to iTunes, look up Succotash in the podcast section, then rate and review us. If you're a Stitcher person, you can give us a big thumbs up over there. And if you're a loner, isolated, desolate, withdrawn. It can really help get you out of your shell if you can bring yourself to please pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show, email us at marc at SuccotashShow.com, or call into the Succotash hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash. Goodbye. You know, it's traditional to serve succotash at, at Thanksgiving, and succotash has a tendency not to have a lot of flavor. And I've always been frustrated by that when I've eaten at people's homes, when, when they would serve beans and corn and, and peas together, and it just wouldn't have much flavor. And so I've solved the problem. I've, I've worked at it. This is what really is going to make those things taste wonderful. This is onions, a little bit of butter, and herbs and spices. Now, the onions are caramelized, and you can see that beautiful color to them. Now, what happens when you caramelize onion? It makes it sweet. And one of the things that makes these vegetables taste absolutely spectacular is to add sweetness to them, but also to add herbs and spices. And so when you take and you put those two things together, fresh vegetables and the herbs and spices and the caramelized, uh, uh, and the, and the caramelized onions, now you have a good taste. But... You need one more thing, a great stock. Because you're going to, right now, if I don't put anything else in here, I'm going to be evaporating the moisture out of it. I'm going to concentrate the taste a little bit, but by evaporating the moisture, I'm going to lose some of the goodness of it. So I want to make this taste really good. So I'm going to put stock in it. And when you put this stock in it, and as it cooks, the stock reduced, you've got the sweetness of the onions. And I'll tell you, I can't hardly talk about it. 
The smell of those onions is just so wonderful. And that's good cooking, good eating, and good loving. It's the greatest succotash you've ever tasted. Goodbye.